around. That doesn't surprise me. They say, oh, they were so oh, lovely. Were they what, uh, like proper rats? <laughs> Robot rats? <laughs> well, no, as in hollow rats, like hologram, not hollow. No, they were real rats. Uh, yeah, as in like, well, because some rats are like the size of cats, right? Oh, they weren't rat oh. cats. They were right, rat rats. rats, not cat rats. I gotcha. Well, yeah. You should be more specific. Um, <laughs> the reason I ask is because I did have a pet mouse called Charlie, and oh. I am only human, so I got a puppy called oh, Zeus, and I was more interested in the puppy and forgot about Charlie. And one day I said to my dad, I haven't seen Charlie for a few days, and I think I might have forgotten to feed him. But I don't want to look in his cage. Can you check, please? And <gasps> bless him, Charlie had died. So I suspect oh. he had a congenital heart disease or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, yes. There's a lesson oh. there, isn't there, for all of us. Yes. Jez can't <laughs> have pets. <laughs> My mum in her desperate screams, I can't have anything nice, was probably right. Um <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, Matt. <laughs> Welcome to another week of this nonsense. I am. <laughs> you call it nonsense. I call it highbrow investigation into the world of the human. <laughs> you call it nonsense. I call it much needed therapy. <laughs> time away from the family. Um... <laughs> Shut in my little orifice. Office. <clears throat> so, um, this is the bit where we normally do introductions and general warmth. I don't feel we really need to do introductions. I know you. And yet I still keep coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Stockholm Syndrome's kicked in. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love the idea that you're my captor. (laughs) But you have such a stronghold over me, it's on Zoom. I'm I'm the funnest captor around. Do you reckon? Tell you, do you mates. reckon you could? Do you reckon you could sort of captor people and <laughs> keep them laughing? <laughs> well, hold on, that took a turn. I don't know what you. I don't know what you're asking. And quite frankly, I shan't deign to answer. What do you think answer. you'd do? Do you think you'd do puppet shows? I've often <laughs> thought about this. Like, if I ever got into a situation where what? I had to kidnap people. And I think you probably should think about that, you know, because you want to be forearmed. It's like, you know, when you've been in bed and you... No, Jez, Jez, that's next week's episode. <laughs> when you're in bed and you think, oh, I heard a noise. No, no, it's not someone breaking yeah. in. But I wonder if somebody did break in, what would I do? And in my head, I think I would push the bed up against the door, ring the police from behind right. the headboard. They wouldn't be able to get in. Of course, there's me assuming that, at, you know, 20 past two in the middle of the night when I've just woken up I'm going to find some superhuman strength to drag a massive bed halfway across my floor to <laughs> shut the door um, so yeah I think you know if I ever had to um, kidnap people or hold them hostage I think for entertainment I think I would do finger puppets just as a, as a friendly bit of advice I don't think this is doing your personal brand any good <laughs> well it wouldn't be my fingers I'd cut their fingers off and use the, oh. as little puppets. Because then you know that they're definitely Shit. watched. There's nothing worse than a puppet show when people don't watch. Because you can't see because you're behind the little thing, right? Cheers, Rin. <laughs> I just can't take any more of this. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll edit it out. 
Um, you in last week's episode, you were literally saying you can't watch horror and violent no. films, and here you are bringing to life your kidnap fantasies. Well, they're not fantasies, are they? There's a very thin line between fantasy and reality, Matt, and they are not fantasy. I don't want to discuss my fantasies in this because both of my therapists <laughs> have said that we should, I should probably strongly. They've strongly advised that I should move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. What is? Uh, are we touching bears this week? Are we ruffling porcupines? Are we dragging hamsters? <laughs> what is this week's theme, Matt? Oh, drag her, honey. <laughs> um, this week's theme is motivation. Ah. Okay, well, let's dive in. What was the favourite topic adjacent to motivation you ever talked about? Adjacent to? Well, I, if I just said... What, if I just said... what was All right, something to do with motivation... I just really like the word adjacent. Okay. <laughs> um, just had to use it. What was your favourite? Because, okay, you went in as a motivational speaker, but you didn't just say, motivation, motivation, motivation. Let's talk motivation. You talked about something connected. Well, here's the deal. I've never called myself a motivational speaker up until about 26 seconds ago, <clears throat> before the pedantic oh, comment. God, I don't know why I bother. <laughs> no, here's the relevance. Um, other people have referred to me as a motivational speaker and the, the idea of being a motivational speaker makes me gag. Um, and the reason <laughs> is because, I think it sounds very naff and awkward, but what motivates one person doesn't motivate another. And so inherently, if you're saying, well, I'm a motivational speaker and I'm going to stand in front of 300 people, that doesn't exist. You can't motivate 300 people to do the same thing because you might inspire them to think about something differently or to think about something in a certain way, but you just cannot stand in front of a massive group of people and motivate them all to do the same thing in the same way. Um, you know, you, your message needs to be far reaching. So I, um, I've talked about a number of different things, but I'm very fortunate in that obviously my specialty is human behavior and, and most people are really interested in understanding why they do the things they do how to change them for the better yep. and that sort of slightly voyeuristic oh why do they do that and how do i do that and mm. um so i'm like a one-man big brother on goggle box uh <laughs> i guess <laughs> with a bit of eggs and bacon yeah, the, thrown with a touch luck. of emmerdale uh so <laughs> uh so uh, for me it's more about change and I think change motivates people because whether directly or indirectly, normally that's the very mechanism for motivation, right? Is to either become more yep. motivated uh, or move you from where you are to where you want to be. So for me, the cornerstone mm. of all motivation is change. What about you, Matt? It's funny you should ask. So in my... Uh career i was going to say award-winning haven't won an award yet but i hope to one day in my soon-to-be award-winning career as an online personal trainer the number one thing people say reason why they reach out to me and we start talking oh i need the motivation absolutely a thousand not a thousand percent stupid way to describe it most of the time people mention the yeah. n-word um and i think there are practical reasons for why people don't feel motivated and that not just to do with fitness, but for example, A, given what's currently outside our doors, for example, like 18 months of lockdowns and stress and navigating the new world and parcel force. Well, we've got quite a fair Amazon driver, delivery delivery driver, oh. so I don't mind that. Oh. Um, I see. In fact, no, he's, D, he's, he's DPD. So, he's so. scrolling through internet and seeing how they deliver. 
TNT. Nope. <laughs> Hermes. Nope. And now, now he has to take a photo every time, so I always hold the parcel. Doesn't he smile. just? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that written on my arm? Oh, that's my telephone number in case I forget. I'm... <laughs> Well, I mean, he knows where I live. Forgetful, Freddie. I'll just leave the door on the latch. Got to pop into the shower. <laughs> oh, quite flustered. Um, so there are, like, if you, you, it's understandable if you're feeling stressed, squashed a bit by the world and life yep. at the moment, and lacking in energy, depressed. However, it's manifesting itself. If it's a negative way, that's okay. Like, this is a new world. Every single day is a new step in this new world of how do we deal with this? What what crap's going to happen now? <laughs> um, so that, coupled with working harder, like, I, I don't think we can understate the impact of the pandemic. However happy we think we might be, like, this sort of low-lying dread just bubbling away at all times, like... Because we're no, we're no. I didn't mean to talk about this, but it is. I think it is relevant. We're not back to normal, and I know you'll say we don't want to get back to normal, and I agree. But I'm saying things like we can't go on holiday easily. We can't just do stuff we took uh-huh. for granted before, which which would be nice and uh-huh. give us that maybe downtime or just space away. Uh, so I first of all want, and you did this for the, I think last episode. I just want to reassure people that motivation doesn't have to happen instantly. You don't have to always have it. It doesn't need to be life-changing it could just be a small motivational thing to help you realize you could do something if you wanted if you're ready but it doesn't have to be now i think uh what's interesting there are two things one is that you're saying a lot of people come to you for the motivation so they go seek motivation Mm. elsewhere they feel like they need to there's something else that will give them the motivation so they're going to find the magic thing that is the motivation always think it'd be a bit like the monty python Mm. and the quest for the holy grail you know they're off to go and find motivation (laughs) join us we're going to find motivation bring your coconuts and your silly horses (laughs) patsy pay the woman um so so i like the idea that um there is apparently this ethereal kind of motivation out there somewhere we can go seek and secondarily is the thing, this idea again, linked to that, that motivation, you have to find the thing, motivation in order to do the thing, that you can't find motivation in doing the thing. Um, and I think what often holds us back is that we inherently wait for motivation or that we go looking for motivation. And I think they are, obviously, they are two ways to get motivated. But I actually think they're probably the two weakest um, ways. Yes, I'll start when I have motivation and you could be waiting forever. Exactly that, yeah. Um, Or I'll go seeking motivation. But you, if I was to say to you, okay, stop, brilliant idea. What are we looking for? What does motivation actually look for? And then you say, well, I, yes. I, I don't know. I just sort of know it when I find it. Well, that's the same as the first version, which we've already established is pointless uh, and might never happen. Yeah. <laughs> so so what? It might be that. No, no, oh, you go on. go on. Okay, I'll go. Well, it might be oh, no, people you. confused being. <laughs> we'll edit this out. It might be the people confused tiredness with lack of motivation. Ooh, yeah. Because humans, humans do get tired and we do need to rest and recover and if we're always on the hamster wheel or the charlie the mouse's wheel you're still going um, to those clubs eh? 
<laughs> if we still, if we feel we can't get off with work and family and managing and like juggling lots sure. of balls back at those clubs, um, it might be that we don't know. We, we are confusing like stress and tiredness and just being oh a bit exhausted with lacking motivation. You probably don't lack motivation. There's the thing. You probably are just a bit exhausted, and that's okay yeah. too. And I, I think sometimes motivation can be confused. Or lack of motivation can be fused for tiredness, but it can also be confused with a lack of direction um, because we yep. we think we need to find motivation. It's a fascinating concept, motivation, because it's one of the largest sort of self-help and motivation industries, one of the largest industries in the world, um, along with like the mm. psychic industry and also the um, <clears throat> fitness and well-being <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. The psychic industry. Yeah. The psychic industry, I believe, at one point, I don't know what the current stats are, was the second most profitable industry in the world. Because there are so many people that, I, that pay to hear their horoscopes or pay to have their tarot cards read or pay to see a spiritualist medium. or wow. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, wow. Each and to their own, but, you know... Mm. But don't yeah, do that. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, there's a whole another. Like, there's an yes, hour there. I was just thinking that. Let's <laughs> not do that. Um, maybe for another episode um, called nonsense. Um, so there are different things I think that we find in our life that we mask as motivation and we say we're going to go i need to find motivation in order to do this i need motivation first i'm not going to do that just yet we can use it as an excuse as well if we haven't got it so what is motivation what what, how would you define it matt if someone came to you and said you know i need motivation what what's your sort of pushback i guess you're saying well what what do you need what are you looking for what haven't you got right now is that how do you sort of tackle it but i so many different parts to this. Um, the people in often in my scenario feel they lack motivation because they feel what they have to do and start is so too big to climb. So it's my job to make it look less scary, to break it down, to, to make it baby steps. Because anyone could, a baby can take a step, you can take a step. And once you've taken a step, you're moving. Um, I also encourage people to sort of fake it till they make it. Because again, I don't. I almost don't believe motivation's a real sure. thing. Well, obviously it's not a real thing, but I don't believe even as a concept, there's just doing or not doing. And I guess it's the energy or the drive to do something, which is, all right, fine, that's motivation. But like, just do it and then you'll realize you can do it again. Or if it wasn't right, do it differently. Action for me is what gives you motivation to keep going. Action leading to results in any department, not just fitness, Gives you that excitement of oh this might this maybe this is working maybe I'll do it again. That, That's what's get the ball. What gets the ball? <clears throat> that of course is partly the definition of motivation, right? So if you break the word down and you look at its roots, you know, to motivate, to move, oh. to move forward. Yeah. So I suppose you, you know, if you are doing it, then that is the perpetual motion is is in, is dragging you forwards and getting you to do it. It's like when they say, you know, yeah. if you've got writer's block or if you want to write a book, the best thing to do is to just sit down and start typing and write the words that come to you. And it doesn't matter if for the yeah. first 10 minutes you're writing random words, they will all form together mm. and you'll end up leading yourself into a sentence and it'll all start to come together. So I think it's just that some authors publish the whole thing rather than just the... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there's I wonder whether some people um, 
you know, interchange motivation. Is motivation inspiration? Is it... Is it... Discipline? Yes, yeah. Is it change? Is that specifically... Is it, you know, what, what's the cornerstone? Because I always say the cornerstone mm. of leadership, for example, you know, I'm talking to managers or leaders, the, the sort of principle, the golden thread, the core nugget, the core, the cornerstone is to get other people to want to do something differently. Once you've got that, yeah. leadership's easy. But that really, in essence, is, I guess, the description of motivation, right? Is the desire, the drive, mm. the want to do something or do something differently. And mm. that is less about necessarily doing, but but potentially actually is an inward conversation. It's an internal discussion to find the why or the purpose or the drive or the desire maybe. Uh, yeah. And so if you start to, if we disregard the word motivation for a second and start to think about other ways to describe the feeling or the thinking of that process, I think that can unlock mm. naturally the the very process of what we're, you know, motivation of what we're kind of seeking to do, which is exploring why you're wanting to do something differently or why you're wanting to do the thing or um, where the yeah. drive is. D does that make sense? Would you? It makes plenty of sense. <laughs> Um, and that also links to with very that whole why uh, the why can change and that can link to externally motivated or internally motivated so in a fitness context people might say oh I want to start working out because I want to feel comfortable on the beach with yes. my top off but that can be a very actually short lived the, the power of that uh, can be, and, and, and actually even hitting the result can be maybe quite unsatisfactory long term versus bringing it into you. I'm doing this for me because I like it, because I feel good, because it lifts sure. me up, because it makes me live longer. Thousands of reasons. And that uh, switch from externally doing it for other people or, or society or whatever, but someone or anything other than doing it yeah. for you, bringing it in. I think that's when it can become so much more automatic, whatever it is you want to yeah, do. Yeah, I agree. I think there's um, there's a need, I think, for all to be more motivated because the the greatest, um, what's the, oh gosh, uh, oh gosh, right on the tip of my tongue, the greatest um, oh. Oh. Um, oh. villain is the Cat. wrong word, but the greatest, <laughs> the, yeah, villain, we'll use villain, this is the wrong word, um, baddie for motivation is tiredness and right. uh, it doesn't matter how motivated you are to do something tiredness is the one thing that kind of you know smothers motivation and pins it to the floor right um so yeah. there are some really you would call low-hanging fruit there are some really easy wins uh to be able to enhance or encourage motivation and one of the easiest mm. i think actually is just getting more sleep going to bed earlier not looking at yes. you know your screen, um, low lighting. I I I've, I yeah. very very rarely. In fact, in some of the rooms in my house, I don't have ceiling lights. So I just get got rid of them. It's something I've done in almost every house I've done. I prefer lamps because yeah. um, in terms of a space to be comforting and calming and relaxing, the softer the lighting, yeah. the better. 
so the brighter the lighting, the, the more alert your brain is going to be. So therefore, you find it more sure. difficult to get to sleep. So if you want a nice kind of relaxing environment, then soft lighting. So if you can, turn off some of those lights in the evening. You know, avoid drinking after, I think it's 7 o'clock. Uh, certainly no tea and coffee after. Remember that caffeine has a half-life Four. of six hours. So it's still yes. as potent six hours on or half as potent six hours on um so certainly you know if you're struggling to sleep no tea or coffee after sort of five o'clock um all of those sorts of easy things that we can do to have better sleep um and to be more rested and to eat well you probably move more as well even if it's just a walk or whatever three liters of water a day because your brain functions on water not ribena yeah other black current drinks are available until ribena sponsors in which case you should definitely only buy that one um so uh you know all of those sort of easy things that we know are about us living a, a nice comfortable life as human beings those are the mm. things that are going to help us to be more motivated to feel more motivated right but also yeah. there's the thing that we've got to talk about and we might have to do a breaking to this afterwards is the pressure that you put yourself under to become motivated or to be more motivated and how quickly mm. that pressure becomes very damaging because it, mm. it compounds the feeling of being demotivated and then you become self-destructive because you start to, that internal voice tells you that you're still not doing it, you still haven't done it, yeah. you, uh, why can't you do this thing, um, you'll never do it uh, and... Mm. And you, I would imagine, of all people, will hear that from your clients a lot, right? The whole demotivating, self-destructive, self-chatter. Yeah. Uh, and there was a word you used, which I always try to counsel people to consider not using in this scenario, which is should. Oh, I really should do yes. that. Because it just, as you said, layers on that pressure that, oh, I've, like life's tough enough. Don't do stuff if you can. If you can't, that's yeah. cool. Take, like, take a step back and do what needs to be done at the time. So... There, there is no should in the fitter confident or universe. Need. That was one of I am need. terrible for that. And I'm since I've consciously oh. stopped telling myself, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this mm. today. And it wasn't it wasn't me sort of intentionally putting pressure on myself. You know, I wouldn't look at my list and say, God, I need to do this, I need to do that. I just used it sort of colloquially, you know, I'd have a list of things to do. And I'd say to myself, right, I need to do that, need to do this. But the need thing subtly played on my Mm. brain. So if I didn't complete my to-do list, I felt so demotivated and like I hadn't achieved the things I'd been telling myself subtly all day that I needed to do them. So I've changed it to I'd like to do that or if I get time, I'll do this or there's some things I might do. Um, There might be a couple of things every now and again that are important. Um, You know, if you're listening to this and you're a heart surgeon... I strongly suggest you know you need to go to this finishing your yes, to-do list. You need to go to the surgery that's on your <laughs> yes, list. Um, don't think, well, I was watching this podcast. And actually, I'm going to try. Uh, I might get round to it. Uh, <laughs> I like really laissez-faire surgeons. <laughs> Lazy knife. Look at my scar. <laughs> wiggly, wiggly. Um, Anyway, I was just uh, proffering a book there in shot if you were watching on the old YouTube. So I think it's time for Book of the Week. (gasps) We're going to talk about a book. Open your ears and take a look. 
Just a couplet today. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. Hit me. If we sell enough merchandise, <laughs> I right. think part of that show budget should go to singing lessons. Now, I'm not saying you're terrible <laughs> at singing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't you? sing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you've got a voice like a goose farting in the fog. That is not what I'm saying, right? What I am saying <laughs> is that our gift, and I'm talking on behalf of the listener and myself, our gift <laughs> to you will be to just elevate that voice even more, Matt. There's a oh, trapped inside that little boils is a is a is a tiny little Alec Jones yes. desperate to get out, isn't he? Desperate. Desperate. And we... <laughs> uh, if you're lucky, I'll sing it again. Well, I don't think we've got time. So my book of the <laughs> week... <laughs> Such Go a on. tragedy. Um, but my <clears throat> book of the week this week, again, is a little bit left field. I promise I will align myself again soon. There's a couple of reasons I chose it. Firstly, it's got a bright orange in a page and I just love the brightness and the vivaciousness and the vividness of that lovely colour. There's also a little storm fly there but Christ alive where aren't they? Um, and I thought I would approach this motivation. One of the things when people are demotivated or they struggle with motivation, the, if I'm talking to them or with them, even if it's groups of people, one of the things I'll talk about is um, contextualizing that negativity or contextualizing that sort of lacklusterness. And I think for me personally, one of the best ways to contextualize that sort of negativity or that sort of lack of motivation, two different things, but sometimes they come together, is yes. to think about people that don't have what you have. So is there a reason for you to be demotivated, right? Is there is a, is a slightly guilting yourself into thinking, crikey, actually, do you know what? I'm going to give myself a little kick up the bum here, a timely kick up the backside that perhaps I shouldn't be dragging my heels or thinking, you know, something needs to drag me up and say, come on now, you can do this and you can do it now. And this is Matt Haig's Reasons to Stay Alive. Um, oh. And it's a just brilliant book. I'm going to be honest, the reason I picked it up is because as an author, one of the most lovely things to see is when the publishing company have touted your book out and it comes back with some sort of, um, you know, testimonials and, and people commenting on it. And Stephen mm. Fry is one of my um, lovers, one of my uncles, <laughs> one of my uh, literary heroes. I don't know him. Um, and I noticed that at the very top of the cover, Stephen Fry says, Matt Haig is astounding. So then I go to the bottom. Joanna Lumley, her, says a small masterpiece that might even say some lies. And I'm like, crikey, who the hell hasn't looked at this? And I go on to the back. And on the back cover, we've got testimonials mm. from Joe Brand, Michael Palin, Simon Mayo, Nathan Filer, Joanne Harris, SJ Watson, Ian Rankin, and the Reverend Richard Coles. I thought, crikey, this is mad. Who hasn't said that this book is brilliant? So I bought it just for that. Yeah. Um, and it's Aww. great. Uh, now, obviously, Matt is um, probably most well-known in the media for being open and honest about his depression and mental health challenges. 
Uh, and this is, I guess, a sort of treaty, really. It's a reflection, sort of notes to himself when he's feeling blue. You know, what are the looking back on things? Aren't I glad I didn't ever take my own life? Aren't I didn't? And it's incredibly yep. heartwarming. It's not sad and, and, and melancholy and horrifically, you know, depressing. It's uplifting. It's heartwarming. It makes you literally glad and pleased to be alive. And I find that books in that sort of category, of that heartwarming, real sincerity, the genuineness about being a human and being alive, help spur me on. Yeah. They help kick me up the arse and think, do you know what? Yeah, I can do that and I am going to do it. And it sort of moved me forwards a bit. So this is um, Canongate, uh, Reasons to be Alive by Matt Haig. Uh, this is a gorgeous little uh, hardback edition, but there yes. are other editions available as well. Have you read this, Mr. Matt? No, I've read and recommended a few episodes ago uh, How to Stop Time by Matt Ah, Hay. yes. Which is the new one, isn't it? No. It's oh. <laughs> the older one. <laughs> Midnight, Midnight Library, I think, is the new one. Ah, that's right, yes. How, how to Stop Time is three or four back, but it's really Because lovely. he has actually uh, written quite a lot of fiction, so I'm surprised you... That's what that one was. <laughs> They're on, they are on the list. Uh, one of my sisters has read the Midnight Library and well, raves about it. You've got more than one sister. I've got two Is sisters. Is the favourite one the one that was on Twitter that wants you to uh, sing the theme tune? Oh, <laughs> how dare you suggesting I have well, favourites? I think we've all got favourites, uh, just people don't often admit to it. So one of them will be your favourite. I don't have favourites. I, I love them 50 50. <laughs> well, half about, the time. They're about your age, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I am the bab. Um, so, you won't believe this. We're only eight episodes in, and I'm finally giving you a non-fiction. Did you have to get given this by someone? Have you been out to buy it, especially for this? Have you been spending <laughs> podcast no, I... budget again? <laughs> no, I read this ages ago, and I kept it because it's so you kept it because it's it the only the book that time. isn't fiction. <laughs> <laughs> It might be the first time we have both read the same book because I imagine you have read The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Nope. Oh, boo. Um, Jean-Dominique Bobby was the chief uh, editor-in-chief at Elle in France, very senior in the magazine world, and that was in the uh, 80s, 90s. Had a massive stroke, ended up with what's called locked-in syndrome. Oh, gosh. And for a while thought that was it. And they thought, oh, he's just on, he's just, he's, he's, he can't sure. communicate anymore. Till someone noticed he could blink. And they realised he was perfectly conscious and ha with it the whole time. And then what they started to realise was he can tell us a letter by blinking. And this whole book, 200, uh, this book was written by him blinking no. the trans the interpret not interpret the person the writer saying a b c oh d e gosh. and he would blink for the right letter uh they said it took about 200,000 blinks to oh write the book oh my god and it's about oh god I'm getting goosebumps wow. again. <laughs> it's a very it's motivating because it's the power of the human and the power of the drive to, to communicate, it's really brilliant. 
It's about his memoir. It's a memoir of him, his locked-in syndrome and locked-in condition, and his life before. Did he as well. ever recover? Because there are some occasions when that happens. No, so he remained. Locked. So did no. they decide to end um, his treatment? Or uh, no? So it was very sadly taken out of everyone's hands. Two days after it was published, he caught pneumonia uh, and died. Okay. Um, but it's sold millions of copies because it's so wonderful and inspiring. And there's a film about it as well. My gosh. Um, I've heard yeah, of it. I've heard, the Butterfly and the Diving Bell, right? Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Oh, I've... Yeah. Because he is in the Diving yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the old-fashioned scuba suit and the butterfly is oh, his eye. My eyelash. gosh. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's obviously, it's. <laughs> we'll forgive him for not writing more. It's quite, <laughs> but it's it's one of those books you will want to read and keep. Uh, published by Fourth Estate in 1997. Oh, Matt, that could, that so far, I think, is the book of the episode. What a bloody story. It wow, really is. Wow, like, what a guy. I knew I had to speak about it. Yeah, how incredible. Did, how did the locked-in syndrome happen? Very often it's because of like a fall or a head injury or trauma or something. Is that for him or not? Just from the stroke. Right. He had a stroke. And that was what precipitated it. That, and they... Yes, it's fine, you don't listen. listen. And they obviously <laughs> put him on life support and that was when he realised that he was stable and nothing was changing and then he could blink. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely incredible. If that doesn't get you out of bed to the gym, I, I don't know, know right? what <laughs> If you haven't already, if you're listening still... God bless you. Um, it, you should definitely join us on Instagram and Twitter at That Human Podcast. I want to hear which are your most uh, motivating books um, that you've read. Yes. That would be really interesting. Or you know what? Maybe Hive Mind, maybe our listener could share with us what it is that they do when they lack motivation what's their sort of kick up the arse what's their fire in their belly what do they do to kind of stoke their barrels or um poke <laughs> their coals or whatever i'm trying to say <laughs> dear um here's the thing though some things you don't need motivation for you just do them you go to work because it's what you do you brush your teeth because Ooh, it's what no, you do no pushing back on that sorry you don't go to work well what? you go to work because of you don't need motivation to go well, to work. Well, the secondary reinforcer is the motivation is your salary and the tertiary reinforcer is the environment that you find you're in because of the secondary reinforcer. So you, the, the, sometimes our, our primary motivation is not um, mm. something that's necessarily obvious, like uh, I'm hungry uh, therefore, I need to find food, right? Uh, and you might not mm. be bothered. You think, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm sat on the sofa. I'm really tired. At some point, you're going to get so hungry that your motivation <laughs> to source food will be you know, strong enough for you to go do it. So it's not like when you wake yeah. up in the morning, if you're in a normal job, and by normal, I mean it's not dead end where you're desperate to be out of it, and it's not so amazing that you're getting up three hours early to get there before anyone else because you just can't flip in weight, you love it so much. You're just in a kind of in that sort of average parameter where you're happy to go to work, it's fine. Um, the motivation to get up in the morning, I imagine for somebody of your age, probably is they need to urinate, but but it, but you know, for, for most for most people is just because you know you're in the environment, you're in the flat that the salary pays for, or you're you're aware of the car or mm. the holiday that the salary pays for. And so the jeopardy is often the uh 
secondary oh, reinforcer or the tertiary reinforcer. Hang on, what would that be? The jeopardy would be the uh, tertiary reinforcer um, because without going, you know that it puts your balance, your peace, your yeah. sense of equilibrium into jeopardy. So I'm pushing back on that. There is a, a, re, a, a motivation. Sorry. Okay, but people don't say, oh, I really need to find the motivation to go to work. It's inherent. I think for most people, yes, it's inherent. It's, it's a, not a conscious decision that they make. Inherent maybe is a yeah. bit misleading uh, because it sort of suggests that it's coded within us or something, whereas it's not. It's just I, I think we habituate to the circumstance that we're in and so the jeopardy, the secondary tertiary reinforcers, the primary reinforcers, they're all there. We just don't consciously think about it. Don't wake up in the morning and think, hmm, uh, if I do not go to work, the salary will therefore not pay for this. We don't think about that. We just yeah, do yeah. it. I think you're right. Yeah. I think there is a group of people, and maybe this might apply to the listener listening uh, or watching, if you've got eyes, um, in which case you'd be a viewer. Um but either the viewer or the listener, is that some people don't have the motivation to go to work, do they? They don't, they, they, and they need to find that every day because I guess they don't have the passion for it. And therein was going to be one of my closing statements was that passion often is the fuel, is the energy, is the drive for motivation. Because if you've got passion, you've got yes. drive. And if you've got drive, I think you've got motivation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I would, and that links to um, when people say they're lazy. Mm. And I, I, we might have said this before, but I don't think you are necessarily lazy. You're just not doing at the time something you want sure. to do. Because when you are faced with something you want to do, you go and do it. Yeah. You don't, well, you might plan it or whatever, but if you can just go and do it and you can, you sure, just do. Sure. You're not lazy in every scenario. Yes, yes. I think, um, but then we're, you don't need motivation to do something you yeah, love. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're bad at that, aren't we? We're bad at labelling ourselves and just whitewashing all of <gasps> our characters with just one statement. I've, I've just had a light bulb moment. So you're not lazy at doing things you love. So the thing that you're trying to do, you need to learn to love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, Does everyone know that apart yeah, from me? I think, <laughs> the way I but that's OK, but welcome. Um, but <laughs> I got there. After 18 years. <laughs> um, but I, therein is a challenge in itself, though, isn't it? Because you can't love everything. That is not a realistic, uh, attainable goal as a human being in life, is to love everything. Because no, so how do we compensate then, that, Matt? But then not everything. You don't need motivation for everything. True. But what if you don't love your job? I mean, often people have... I'm playing devil's advocate because I would say change your job. Yeah. And they would say, oh, that's easy for you to say. To, you know, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but there's a risk to everything. Every time you drive to work, there's a risk that you might have an accident, but you're still going to do it. So if you don't love mm -hmm. what you're doing, then I've often said this in front of people at conferences. If you don't want to be here, then leave. Because it's a waste of your life. It's also a waste of the organisation yeah. because you're not giving 100% because you don't want to be here. So let's be honest about it. Yeah. Don't be it. Um, you know, it's, it's much better for everybody if you just go and you go find the thing yeah. that you want to do. The organisation can bring somebody in that actually wants to do the job that you don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, everybody's happy. Don't, don't make a big deal of it. Um, no. But it's sometimes difficult to find 
the thing you know where where do you go find the thing that you love um because some people don't know what they love what you just said about well that also is true and that's a i guess a journey for everyone but what you just said about the car really also resonated because it's i guess it's how you weigh up the the, the weight of what you're doing versus the weight of not doing it so if you had to if you were scared of driving you could drive but you were scared of driving you thought oh, every time i get in the car i'm going to crash and you had to drive to something you didn't want to do but you'd be like oh maybe i'll stay at home if you were scared of driving but you could drive and you were driving to go on holiday or driving to see your best friend who you hadn't seen for 10 years, you might go, oh, well, that is worth the risk of driving, worth the effort yeah. of driving. So that's the, I guess, the the risk reward of, for motivation could be seen as, what's the risk of me not doing anything versus the risk of me doing something? Because people underestimate the risk of not doing yeah. something and overestimate the risk of change of starting. Sure, all the time. In fact, the risk and reward thing is an exercise I encourage people to do you know, is to the thing that you're not sure if you want to do it, um, or maybe there are some genuine risks associated with doing it, or you're not sure if you want to do it, or you don't want to do something. So you're in a position where you have to make a choice. And I always say you have to weigh up. The, there's an alternative to everything. And the alternative is if you don't do it, what's going to happen? If you do do it, what could happen? Yep. Very few things in life are permanent. Death, probably taxes, but even those fluctuate. You know, I mean, I've been alive during massive reductions in VAT during, you know, financial crashes and whatever. So, uh, and they'll go up as well, I'd imagine, in my lifetime. Yep. But deaths are certain. Um, and some other things are certain as well. But very few things in life are permanent. You know, you can adjust and change things. So you establish what are the risks associated with this thing and what are the rewards associated and which perhaps play stronger and can you mitigate the risks and can you enhance the rewards because that's the ideal situation you won't be able to all the time but it's not just about saying what's the risk what's the reward but how can i minimize the risk and how can i maximize the reward and then we're sort of edging towards that sweet spot which is what you mentioned which is well if you can find a passion in doing the thing, you're much more likely to achieve it. But if the rewards are higher and the risks are lower, you're going to be much closer to enjoying this thing. You might not be passionate about it, but you're certainly a hell of a lot closer yeah. to self-rewarding and self-motivating yourself, motivating yourself to achieve it. I like self-moting. I think said. you should piss off. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, that's a great way to put it. You don't need to find passion or... No, sorry... You don't need to love it, but the more you can get, you be passionate yes. about it, the more you can know it's something you want to do, the, the easier things get. It's quite remarkable do. that all of this advice is coming for free, isn't it? I mean, that <laughs> yes. is the, that's the thing that, do you know what I was thinking about? I sat there listening to you, listening to you, I sat there and I was thinking to myself, what would be really lovely is an on the sofa with Matt and Jez, right? Not Aww. in a sort of OnlyFans way. I mean, like in a like in a sort of like this sort of you know setup. We should yes. do a live, an Instagram live or a some sort of video where we amalgamate. Yeah. I've made that word up. A sort of amalgamate like uh, some of our favourite topics and or discuss them or and or answer questions. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? I was going to say. Yeah, Q&A for this TNA. <laughs> hey, Q&A for this TNA with... Who e shops at CNA. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, we could do it at the VA. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Hashtag where's David now? So um, <laughs> I think we should. Oh. I think we should wrap up for this episode, Matt. Um, there's an awful yes. lot to think about here. Please don't forget to share with us on the social media where you get your motivation, where you find it. Or perhaps there's a book that you've read that gave you an amazing sense of motivation you'd like to share with uh, if there's yeah. another listener or with the viewer. Um, uh, and in the meantime, <laughs> don't forget to subscribe. It would be lovely to share a little review, just a little one. You don't even have to write anything. Click the five stars and you're done. And uh, let other people know if you want to, if they want a little bit of that in their lives. Isn't that right, man? Oh, it absolutely is. And you too, Chess. This was a delight. And I feel very motivated for my afternoon of... I was trying to think of funny, something funny. Work. Yes. <laughs> but I actually... The, the, the paradox is I love my, my work, so I don't need to find motivation to do that. I just do it. I'm certainly motivated, friend. So, uh, <laughs> I think that's probably it for this week. Why don't you say goodbye, Matt Boyle?